Welcome to Around the Table. Being good stewards means we must manage well the financial resources God blesses us with while we are alive. And it means making wise plans for what we will leave behind so that those gifts are a blessing, not a source of conflict. In today's episode, learn about key biblical principles to keep in mind when doing estate planning. You know, the parable of the prodigal son illustrates how distribution of wealth can change a lifestyle. But also we can see from that it can also create conflict. You know, as we read that, we recognize that when the son returned home, it was one ring, it was one calf, it was one pair of sandals that really created some of that conflict. And so in our conversation today, that's what we would like to get into is look at some of these biblical principles regarding estate planning that may help us to reduce these potential conflicts between the beneficiaries of our estates. My name is Tim Lehman, and I serve in our Taylor congregation. And I'm Jeff Grimm, and I uh, serve in Goodfield. Uh, one of the theme verses I thought of as we were thinking about this is in Proverbs 15:22, where it says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And when I think about this topic, there's a lot at stake, and this can really make or break families many times. So two words I think of as we go through this that, that are really critical are communication and counsel. No, I, I would agree. And also when we talk about, sometimes we use the word estate planning and it kind of seemed big or kind of that doesn't apply to me. But I, what I think we want to establish as we, as we communicate is that estate, it's not about how wealthy you are. But as we talk today, think about it more in terms of stewardship and legacy. And, and it may be easier, a, a different word that you can think about is your will. You know, what, what does my will say versus saying, hey, in an estate, that doesn't apply to me. And so as we start our discussion today, I think it's good to keep in mind just that a thoughtful and documented plan is going to help us to wisely manage and control our property, not only for ourselves and our loved ones, but we're doing this while we are alive and competent. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, Tim. And I think provide a couple other thoughts is providing for your care and the care of your loved ones in the event of a physical or mental disability. And then of course on your on their on your death, giving what you have in the most prudent way mm-hmm. at the proper time to people or charities or organizations that you cared for with all at the same time, keeping biblical principles in the forefront of our mind throughout that whole process. Yeah, I think we keep coming back to that biblical principles and hopefully that theme comes out, you know, today as as we talk. Um, So I look forward to this conversation. And so, so as we look at this topic and we want to do it from a Christian worldview, what would you say would be a first good biblical principle, Jeff? Yeah, so something I had to learn later in life that I I didn't always look at it this way is just recognizing that God is the owner of of everything, of all our property, all our things. Um, In the Bible, it talks about the cattle on a thousand hills. I think of houses, land, um, silver, gold, you know, money, all are gods. And, and, And it also says, in fact, the earth in its fullness belongs to him. So something I thought of 
when I when I step back and look at the big picture here is stewardship. You mentioned that, Tim. Stewardship versus selfishness. And this is a theme throughout that, that is really critical, important for the giver and the receiver to be in that kind of a mindset. Sure. That's a, I mean, that's a great perspective. And, you know, if God owns it all, you know, he's really the only one as well that's going to know the impact of the dollars upon the people that we're going to give, you know, so he's the one that will know, is it going to make him stronger or whether it's going to be like the prodigal son we talked about initially, will it destroy a lifestyle? Um, you know, up there. But I think it's a great perspective. I mean, I even remember when we first did uh, the crown study here at, in Taylor, there was a an individual who was taking it, was not a professing believer. And we came to that principle that God owns everything. And uh, as he was trying to give everything to God and go through that exercise, he realized I hadn't even given my own life um, to Christ. And that was his moment of even saying, I need to start there. I need to give myself first right? And then kind of that property will, will go along with that. So yeah, as we go for that, I think we can move into even a second principle that's right up there, you know, with God owning everything. And that is the motivation of our giving has to be out of love. I mean, it comes down to that heart and our view of what we're doing it. And, you know, Jesus, you know, one of his greatest teachings that we go is for God so loved what the world that he gave. So God's love precipitated and, and led to his giving. You know, Paul also is one of those, as you read his various letters, really speaks about on this topic of giving, and, and especially in the book of Corinthians, when you read some of that stuff, where he says, if a man gives all that he has to the poor without love, I think we can fill in the blank, he gains nothing. So once again, we see the giving without love, it, you know, is nothing. And so love has to be there. And then Paul also talks about, hey, God loves a cheerful giver um, for and just encouraging us that we need to be cheerful, you know, as we give. And so as we even talk about this, too, yeah, God owns everything, but we have to have love um, in, in all that we do. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that, um, Tim. You know, when I think of, you know, we use the word agape love or God or Christ-like love it really goes beyond anything that we can do as humans and enables us to do things that we on our own could not do. And I think that's, that's so critical in all of this. So as we look at another principle, we start getting more into the crux of estate planning. And so that principle would be just ensuring that your children are raised and encouraged in their Christian faith and just thinking of estate planning around that. So just a, just a few things to think about when it comes to dividing assets. And actually, it's not always positive to hand down lots of money to the next generation. Sure. Um, just balancing this with Proverbs 13.22. And obviously, it's not just about money. There was a famous person recently who said that they made it aware that they were not going to give their estate to their children. And one of their quotes I thought was really good. It said, one of the best gifts that you can give your children is to search out who they are and in entrepreneurship and, to, and, to, and just hard work. By contrast, inheritance can breed laziness and entitlement. And just a couple of real uh, situations that I've been involved with is, and I think as, across our denomination, this can happen fairly often. We're just the uh, 
the son who maybe farms and there's other siblings and they expect to receive the land at a discount. And just to step back and think about those kind of things. And I realize there's a myriad of situations. So it's one, it's not one size fits all, but just being really careful with that and realizing if, if it was cash, how would you expect it to be divided? And I have a personal story on that. Ruth and I, when my dad passed away, he had a small piece of land, but it had a fairly decent value where we live now. And there was an appraisal that, that we were going to use for the estate. But one of my siblings recognized that that appraisal was probably a little out of date and land had changed just in the last year or two prior to that time. This has been 30 years ago. And, and they brought it to the attention of the family that maybe that appraisal is a little low. So they got it reappraised. The price was quite a bit higher, which for Ruth and I at the time, that was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. Um, it sort of it put pressure on us financially. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to spend more money. But as I look back on that situation, I am so thankful um, that they recognized that and that we paid a fair price um, at that time instead of getting it at a discount. Another side of the coin is I remember a story of my grandpa Grimm that my dad told me when his brothers as a as a receiver or as someone who's maybe selling out, he he his partners were going to buy him out at book value. And dad, as a young entrepreneur, recognized that that probably wasn't fair for grandpa because a lot of those assets had been written down and there was a lot more value there than, than what the book value was. And grandpa had to settle dad down and he just said, Robert, he said, I have been blessed more than I can ever imagine. Let it go. So I think just just the the combination of those two things, being willing to take the short end of the stick, but at the same time, not being afraid to bring up an issue like my siblings did, it can just be really, uh, really helpful. Yeah. I mean, you said that even at the beginning, communication um, goes a long ways and, you know, real estate, it's location, 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 I think one of those principles, it's communication, communication, communication. As we talk with our heirs and our children, you know, you even spoke about just minor, minor children in, in here. And, and that actually prompted a, a thought as far as, and it's a verse I think sometimes we struggle with, you know, as we think about how much do I give to my family, to my, my children, you know, and it's, you know, that first Timothy five, eight, which we're going to recognize it. It says, but if any provide not for his own, Right. So we understand that, hey, who's my own? And specifically for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Right. We, well, we don't want to be an infidel in that verse. So we try to take that seriously. And so sometimes that is our justification say, okay, well, I need to give everything then to my children and I need to give, you know, that's where it all goes. However, if we just pause and look at that, maybe a little bit more under your principle of, you know, the principle is we're ensuring that our minor children are raised and encouraged in their Christian faith. And so you take a step back and go back and reread it and actually look at what does it not say? You know, we're to provide for our own and especially those of our own house, right? Well, it's not saying that we're supposed to prosper them, right? We're just to provide. So we don't need to prosper them. That's not a biblical um, principle that we need to prosper, nor does it say anything about those that are grown up and have left the household, 
right? So if, if our children are grown and they are on their own, we have a much less responsibility for them. And so that gives us even more discretion, you know, as far as what we do and gives us more options. And coming back to that, I think why that is so important, that communication, and I want to keep hitting it is, is just with my dad um, being a nursing home administrator. So growing up, I would hear many, many stories of him. So you would have various situations of either people coming in there. So he would be dealing with families and one of them would die or one of the parents would die or both of them dies. And so it was time to split up the estate and the conflict and the angst and the broken relationships and I think it was even hardest when I knew it was some of my friends' families of siblings that used to get along were completely split, all because there just wasn't good communication um, from that. And so, so that's a good, good biblical principle. We want to provide for minor children, but we also want to be encouraging them in the faith. And so, when we move now to the fourth principle, you know, as we keep moving here, it's we want to distribute property on our death to those who will continue to use it to promote the Christian lifestyle. So kind of taking it a step beyond our own children and saying, okay, if I'm not going to pass it on to, to my heirs, where can I give that or her? How can I do that? That's going to promote that Christian lifestyle. And, and going back to Paul, you know, just, we had talked about how he's talking about our attitudes and how we want to be cheerful and all of that, you know, that God's provided for our needs. And he actually goes back. And when you look at that in verse um, nine or eight and nine, He's actually quoting a psalm, which he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. And so he acknowledges it's an opportunity to give to those in need, you know, why we're even still alive and we have that opportunity, but even more so there, he says, and then his righteousness endures forever. You know, so that's an encouraging thing of, well, how, how do we get our righteousness even to continue potentially even after we die? Um, and to kind of have that legacy, you know, even after we die. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, I really appreciate some of those profound truths and principles that you just brought out there. And what goes along with that really is the joys of giving while you're living. You've probably heard of that. Um, and to just be thinking about opportunities um, during our life um, that where we can we can uh, give. And uh, Ruth had an uncle who has since passed away, but just the beauty that came, they, they did not have any children and they freely gave a number of gifts to each one of their um, nieces and nephews. And just the beauty that came out of that and the, and the, um, the appreciation, they had some get togethers um, just talked about maybe some of how they used that money. And there was just a lot of, of goodness in all that and, and just the beauty in that. Another area uh, or principle um, is a state plan is really your final act of stewardship. So I think of a couple principles, um, you know, goal setting and having a plan for giving starting at an early age. It's not too early to think about it. Another principle is, is updating. You know, the things change a lot over time. Even in just a even in just a three or a five-year period, things change quite a bit. So just be willing to relook at estate plans and adjust them and and really uh, get the counsel that you need. And that leads us into the next thing is is 
to, to be a good steward and to get correct counsel. This is really critical. So maybe a financial planner, an attorney, and an accountant um, prefer those with a biblical worldview and experience similar to ours. Um, that's not an absolute requirement, but it's definitely a plus. And then deciding who should be the executor or trustee of your estate and getting counsel on that. You know, many times family members are used, maybe an oldest son or someone who has a financial background, but that's not always prudent. Um, and we want to protect our families from hurt. So appointing another outside trustee or a trusted person or a, or a trust um, can be some really um, good things to consider. And then another one that a lot of people ignore, Tim, is just training in fiduciary responsibilities. Most of us aren't aware of what to do that with that. And so it's, it's really important to, if you find yourself in a situation of uh, being a trustee or an executor with little or no training or instruction, it's really important to find good counsel early and use them often throughout the process until the estate is closed. And that typically takes time, even, even in a small estate, it can take a year or with a larger estate, it can go, it can go years. And then uh, the last thing I think of is just communicating well with spouse and family mm -hmm. throughout the whole process and being very transparent and open. Um, it's just so critical. I think of, um, just even like having family meetings at the right times, not necessarily at a holiday or a get together in that sense. Um, there's a funny story in our family where we, we talk about a, uh, there was a family, I forget where they were, but they ended up all living in the same area. And my, my son drove past their house and there was this big mailbox with three little mailboxes for the kids. And I, and we always joked about that. And, and I, and I think there's a principle there, avoiding the big mailbox, little mailbox syndrome. And as a, as an, as a heir or as a um, father or a mother to give similar respect to your children, it's not just about you and to work through all those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, I mean, we keep coming back to that communication and, you know, if we do have one of our children being that executor whoever we want are we communicating well have we laid that out and i think some of us are conditioned hey we don't talk about money you don't want to do that but i think it's the exact opposite you know if we aren't communicating there is going to be that strife and you know in conflict so i think we've covered some really good you know principles and and as we've even shared there's a lot of opportunities where we can and that's where prayer then is so important to say okay how do i give you know, my money, whether it's, you know, to my own family or within the denomination or other local charities that are going to be promoting these, these Christian, you know, those Christian values, because, you know, I may have a heart for just my family. I may have a heart even for my local church, or I may have a heart for something within my community. Um, and then there's others that, hey, we're already supporting some national organizations within the apostolic, you know, body. And I would really like to continue to support them, you know, ongoing if that can be or missions and just whether, you know, I did it during my lifetime. And is there a way for me to continue to do that? And, and I think the short answer there is yes. And part of it is maybe, you know, you talk about um, 
different types of giving, but there's endow, you know, we can give an endowed giving and we even have it as a national church and a, a, a national endowment fund that can help with some of this stuff. Tim, I think a short explanation of that endowment fund could be really helpful if you don't mind. Oh, sure. So I guess maybe we'll start off with, you know, just to remind, there's kind of two types of gifts. When we give gifts, we either give one that we, what we would call unrestricted of which, you know, Jeff, I give you a gift or to your organization and you can use it however you want, whether it's for expenses or capital improvements, however you need for your ministry um, or, or what you're serving. And so I don't have any say in that. I give it, you can spend all of it or you can spend it over time. I really have no discretion, right? And that's what we're probably most familiar with and how most of our giving is. But then there's the other type, which is called an endowed gift. I mean, it's so don't let the word just kind of like a state, you know, intimidate us. But all endowed is saying is I'm going to give a gift, but you can't spend with the amount that I give you, the principle that I give. However, any earnings that it makes, that then can be distributed and that can be given, you know, out to, to various organizations that, you know, I want to support or maybe that I give direction that I would like to go from that aspect of it. And so within that, that's where an endowment fund comes, which the intent is, hey, to collect these gifts, you know, and to wisely manage them and then to distribute them out. And so when we look at our national endowment fund, and, and actually if you want more information, if our listeners want more information, the silver lining article here just this past February um, had a nice article on just kind of an overview of our national endowment fund and even the organizations that it was distributing funds to um, of that. And you can see, I mean, it goes to various nursing, some of our church nursing homes or the Brotherhood Operations Fund, um, Onward Media, um, it also, we, we help to support even other larger organizations that maybe have needs beyond what they currently have. So, you know, Gateway Woods, Life Points, RGMMI, ACCFS, Harvest Call, you know, you can continue to go down that list. And so many of our church organizations have been blessed, you know, by that. You know, Brent Steiner, you know, or Bill Eisenman would be great contacts if you do have more questions and even their contact information is in that February silver lining article that they can go to. But I would just say, you know, whether it's that or wherever we think about giving, you know, it's not about the amount, whether it's $500, whether it's 5,000, 50,000 or something even greater, it's going to be a blessing, whatever we can pass on you know, to, to help to promote Christian principles um, in that. So, yeah, I really appreciate that brother, Tim. I, I, when I listen, I just reflect on how blessed we are as a people um, just to be able to have some of these vehicles or opportunities um, to use uh, where people have, you know, brothers and sisters over the years have really worked diligently to put in place. So really thankful for that. So as we sort of just, recap and and give some final thoughts here just thinking about a, the biblical platform and christian worldview is a reflection on which to make all of life's decisions for a christian to have an estate plan that does not reflect biblical standards is to have an estate plan that is not reflective of one's inner spiritual beliefs a couple of scriptures that i can think of uh, when I think of this is in Proverbs 22, 9, it says, a generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. And in 1 Timothy 6, 
17 through 19, it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. When I think of the scripture, Tim, it is rich in areas of financial stewardship. I believe there's over 2,300 scriptural references to money in the Bible. So obviously God considered it to be a very important topic. And then lastly, just to think of, of his goodness in, in every way. Um, there's, a, there's a hymn that I've, I've heard recently that I, I just love, and I'd like to finish by, by uh, quoting it. And it just says, it talks about the goodness of God, and it says this, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thanks for listening. Oh, thanks so much. That was, that was fantastic, and thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.